All right. So as we dive into Exodus chapter 7, there's three important things I want you guys to take note of today. And the first one, and you can write this down, is God prepares you before commissioning you. God prepares you before commissioning you. Basically what that means is that God puts you through sometimes really hard times, trials. Sometimes God uh, lets you stay in a season of maybe darkness for a little while because he wants to test your faith in that time. He wants to grow your faith in him. He wants to show you something. So eventually when he brings you out of that darkness into his light, you'll be prepared to live for him and do the plan he's called you to. And so uh, you might be young right now and say, well, why is God not using me right now? Well, God could be using you in a very unique way. He's preparing you for something great later on. So maybe life's not going how you want it to right now. Maybe things haven't turned out the way you planned. But there's a reason for that. And if you give it to God, you remain faithful. God will grow you in the season of darkness. He'll grow you in the season of trial. And so eventually when he pulls you out, he's going to pull the Israelites out into his marvelous light. You'll be prepared and ready to do whatever he's calling you to do. And so there's an important point here with Moses and Aaron. You know, think about this. It's been years and years that the Israelites have been in slavery. You know, they, it's not like they've been in slavery for a year or a few months. It's been years and years and years. And through this time, God has been growing Moses and Aaron. He's been putting them through some trials. I mean, they've already went through several things up to this point. And God is growing them so they can overcome and be equipped and strong in their faith for the trials that are to come down the road. So I want you guys to catch something here in Exodus chapter 7. This is a very interesting point. It starts in verse 1. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. I want you guys to catch this next part here. This is really important. Okay, listen to this next part. Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. I want you guys to think about that. <clears throat> huh? uh, Exodus chapter 7. Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83. Okay, these are not some young bucks about to go talk to Pharaoh, okay? Pharaoh was probably <laughs> probably in his 30s, okay? He's, um, well, 80, 83. <laughs> People live that long today, too. <laughs> um, yeah. No, okay, so, so Moses, though, um, God has been preparing him 
for years and years. Remember, he spent years in Midian. He spent years before that in Egypt, growing up, learning the ways, learning the, some of the issues there. And if you remember the story of Moses, if you go back several chapters, Moses didn't want to do this at first. Remember, he was like, God, I don't speak well. You, somebody else, I'm older. I'm not your guy. And he, and he went back and forth with God for a long time saying, no, no, God, I'm not equipped. I can't do this. I can't do this. And God basically was like, no, Moses, you are going to be the guy, and I'll equip you along the way. And I'll even use Aaron, your brother, to help speak on your behalf. Equipped. Equipped. Equip. Not, not um, and so, um, And so Moses and Aaron, God tells them, okay, you're going to be, you're going to do this. But they still had this kind of doubt. Can we really do this? Is God really going to come through? And after seeing how God's used them the last several times when they talked to Pharaoh, this chapter is very important because it says they did exactly as the Lord commanded them. There was no questioning. There was no doubt. There was, you know, it didn't seem like there was a lot of fear. And all of a sudden, now Moses and Aaron, they're just ready to do whatever God's called them to do. They're now prepared to take on whatever God's called them to. And so now God's about to use them to do something incredible and bring the Egyptians out of, or bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And so what you guys think about that in your own life today, you know, maybe God hasn't used you for a, you know, magnificent purpose right now. And maybe because God is growing you and where you're currently at. You know, most of you guys are still young. And sometimes God will use young leaders to do incredible things. But sometimes God knows there needs to be some maturity. Sometimes there needs to be some times that you need to go through some things so you know how to handle that later on. And sometimes there's things that God's trying to show you and teach you now so when you are older, you'll remember all these things and have all these experiences and all these times that God's brought you through and you'll be able to now lead from a place of, of faith, of true faith and confidence in God. And so the first point, again, is God prepares you before commissioning you. Um, so I want you guys to think about what trials have you gone through right now? What are some things you've gone through in your life that you look back on and say, I'm glad I went through that because later on, God used it for something good. Because God promises that all things will work together for good. For what? For those who love God. So if you give it to God in the hard times, God will use you for the great times later on. And so God prepares Moses and Aaron before commissioning them. And now they're ready. 18, 83 years old, they're finally ready. So God's like, okay, guys, it's go time. You know, it's kickoff time. We're ready to rock and roll. Uh, you're about to see something really great happen uh, through you guys by, by my power and my spirit. And so, uh, yeah, so the next, the next point, you guys can write this down is when you begin to do the will of God, so when you live out God's plan, some people will still deny him. Okay? And that's something Aaron and Moses are about to, about to face. Sometimes when you live out the will of God, people still deny him. You're finally committed, you're finally ready, but then people still don't, don't trust what you have to say. And that's what we're going to get to here in, in Exodus chapter 7. We're going to read back here. And it says, it starts in uh, verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. 
So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in a like manner with their enhancements or enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, as the Lord had said. So, crazy events here. So it's early day Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, God tells Moses and Aaron, you're going to throw down, Moses is going to throw down this, this rod, and it's going to become a serpent, a snake. Okay, and so you would think somebody that throws down a rod and becomes a snake. I might even listen to this person. They got some. They got some supernatural things going on here. There's clearly somebody working on their side. But uh, I need you to say. But what, what's surprising is Pharaoh doesn't really flinch at all. He just calls in some of these sorcerers and magicians, and they do the same thing. But after they do that, it says that Moses' serpent that was from his rod, eats up the other snakes, which, again, would have been pretty freaky, but Pharaoh's like, nah, nah, it's just, they're using some kind of like sorcery power, it's fine, God's not really on their side, there's not really a God. Well, I want you guys to think about this, so back in that time, they had all these magicians and sorcerers and people, and in a sense, the way it kind of relates to today's society is kind of like witchcraft, okay? The real heavy, the like witchcraft. And so, they have these like supernatural powers basically from Satan that they're using for evil. And although they're not as strong and as powerful as God, clearly as you can see, Moses' serpent eats up the other serpents. They still can do some pretty, you know, um, supernatural things. So witchcraft is actually the only way to eat. It is. Witchcraft is a real thing today. And there's things that are like that, wiki and things like that. that Huh? <laughs> Not Wikipedia. <laughs> um, that um, that's uh, this this truly evil. You know, and God tells us this that you know Satan roams the earth and his demons and things like that. And so, yet yeah, you tap into that kind of stuff, you can have some kind of supernatural abilities in some ways, but it's never going to be as strong as God, and it's always going to be used for evil. And so, Pharaoh has all these people around him that. Again, they're worshiping pagan idols and pagan gods and things like that. And so they're full into like what you would consider like witchcraft today. And they're doing things that are supernatural, but it's all for evil. And you're going to see that God's going to come through and say, okay, I'm going to show you who's truly in charge here. And that's why the plagues begin to happen. That's one of the reasons. And, and so what you guys think about your life today, God performs miracles all the time. But think about how many people dismiss those as something else. You know, somebody goes into the hospital and they're pretty much pronounced dead. And then all of a sudden they miraculously come back to life and they're healed from what they're going through. All of a sudden the cancer is no longer in their body. Something like that happens. People are quickly to dismiss that as, well, it was some kind of medical mystery. Or, you know, it must have been some kind of just uh, coincidence kind of thing. People are quick to dismiss miracles. Their body, like. Yeah, and, it, and there's stories like that all the time out there, but unfortunately we, we, we dismiss these things as anything other than God's working. And so when Moses comes and drops the rod and it becomes a serpent, he's like, this is from God, you know, this is a crazy thing that's, that God is doing through us. 
People are just, Pharaoh's quick to dismiss that as now something else. It's not God. People do that today too, just in different ways. Do you have a question? They have like the magicians like um, understudies like behind a black curtain getting like a hollow rod sticking to snake. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right guys, it's the next miracle right here. <laughs> uh, but um, it is, yeah, Aaron. Um, so to Luigi's born's work or whatever. There, there are some, some evil spirits like, that can come right, from that. So, for so Hasbro is selling Luigi boards for uh, kids six and up. It's not good. It's, it's definitely not good. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Luigi boards. No, 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 Fred. Go take that one. That's the lizard inside of the stick. <laughs> they have all the, all the weapons in the back. But hey, yeah, I want you guys to think about this, though. Um, you know, I want you guys to think about your life today. Uh, some ways that people dismiss miracles. You can write these down. We can talk about them afterwards. Uh, think about some ways people dismiss God's miracles. And a lot of that's because our culture, and back then it was the same way in the Egyptian culture, is turned off from God in a lot of ways. And when we're not in tune to God, when we're not you know, trying to follow Him and seek after Him, then although there's miracles happening right in front of us, we miss it. Or we dismiss it as something else. And this is what's happening in Egypt. No matter what Moses and Aaron do, and you'll see even as the plagues go on, Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not letting the people go. You know, it's not from God. You guys must have done something, some kind of sorcery thing, but it's not from God. Until eventually God's like, yeah, it is for me. And he shows that, that he is the Lord. So what you guys think, to, to have that kind of as a confidence today too. What's going on? Oh, that's okay. That when you live for God, people may dismiss that. But if you keep remaining faithful to him, you keep trusting in him, God's eventually going to win in the end. Well, and when you get to heaven, you're going to be rewarded for that. Yeah. How do you know if it's if it's God and not witchcraft sorcery? Like, if you want to make a snake out of a rod, how do you know? Yeah, so there's a good way to kind of, uh, it actually says in the Bible to test the spirits, uh, which obviously is another example that means that there are evil spirits and there's good spirits, which the good spirit would be like the Holy Spirit. Uh, evil spirits obviously be ones from Satan and, and the demons. And so um, the way, one way to test the spirits are, you know, if someone performing a miracle or doing something that they're saying, this is from God, see kind of what kind of life that person is living. You know, do they really have the Holy Spirit living in them? You know, outside of that one miracle, are they really seeking God and trying to follow God? And do they, do they seem to have a really close relationship with Him? Or all of a sudden they just perform this miracle out of the blue and, you know, they're really not living for God at all and doing things for themselves. And they have this ministry that's all about promoting themselves and making money and things like that. That, that, that would be a kind of a way to test the spirit and say, okay, maybe that's, that's not really from God. But if somebody, you know, is really close to God and they see a, a miracle happen in their life or God performs a miracle through, the, through them, then, yeah, I mean, we don't need to be quick to dismiss those things because those things do still happen like it did back then. Uh, so, um, and uh, I want you guys to, last week at our last point, just remember, you can't win everyone to the Lord, but you just simply do His will. You know, you, you might can live the most perfect Christian life ever, and people are still going to deny Christ. Because unfortunately, the devil still roams the earth, and people are just shut off to God sometimes. And you, can, you don't have the ability to change their hearts. Only God does that. And so all, uh, the only thing we're mission to do is to simply share his word and keep living for him. And when we do that, many people will come to Christ. 
through through what we through our faithfulness to God. But some people won't. And, and you have to just get to that reality that, you know, if some people don't come to Christ, don't beat yourself up about it. Just keep pushing forward because somebody else will if you keep living for God. Uh, last point here, and this is what I kind of touched on. You can write this down. This is a great point here for, as we finish. I think you guys will really enjoy this. God will always win in the end. And you're, gonna, you're about to see a really, really cool point here in chapter 7. So the last point we're going to talk to is God will always win in the end. But the way God comes through here, there's so much imagery that we'll play on later on. I want to talk a little bit about here. It's really neat. So it starts in verse 11. And this is what we talked about just a second ago. But Pharaoh will also call the wise men and the sorcerers, some magicians of Egypt, and they also did in a like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not heed them, as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. And the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. The river shall stink. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a great part in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite verses. Um, but uh, then, it, then it continues on. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, and over all the pools of water. They may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, and in the buckets of wood and the pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. Again, they, they're committed now. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river, in the sight of the Pharaoh and in the sight of all of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood, and the fish in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay, so we're going to stop there, and I want you guys to think about something. So people are like, okay, why would you... Turn the river to blood. Okay? Why is that God's first method? This is what I want you guys to kind of blow your minds today, okay? Uh, so, number one, they didn't have running water back then. So back then, you know how we have water today, we can just turn on the faucet, turn on the shower. They didn't have that. And so the way they got water was through wells and through going through the Nile and, and, and actually going down to drink and things in the, in the river. And so to turn the water into blood took away their source of drink. In addition to that, I want you guys to think about this. Back then, the Nile was worshipped by the Egyptians. Okay, so the, like, you know how the sun god and things like that and, and some of these like pagan traditions? Um, yeah, so the, that was good. Um, so the Nile is basically like a god to the Egyptians. Back then, they would worship the Nile because it provided them life. It provided them water. So instead of worshiping God, that is the ultimate creator of life, they worship like elements like that. 
And so to take the Nile River and to turn it into blood was in a sense God saying, what you're looking to for life is now giving you death. Um, because now it's turned into blood. It's now killing all the fish in the water. And now if you drink this, you're going to get sick and die as well. And so what they looked at for life and fulfillment, God turned that into blood to show them, if you don't stop, if you stop looking to me for life and fulfillment and look to, to other things, it's not going to satisfy. It's going to lead ultimately to death. It's kind of cool. There's a bigger point behind this. In addition to that, um, I want you guys to think about this. This is, so God's not going to be mocked, okay? Um, he, might, he might mock God. He might make fun of God. But again, in the end, God's going to win. Do you remember back into the first part of Exodus how Pharaoh issued for all the Hebrew children to be drowned in the Nile? The firstborn son? Remember that? Yeah. Okay. So all those Egyptians died, or all those Hebrews, people, children died in the Nile. So this is, again, kind of God's way of saying, look, you killed all these Hebrew children. Now I'm going to now I'm gonna turn the entire Nile into blood. Uh, and now it's going to kill all your livestock and your people. Um, what's up? Look at the cat, brother. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, it's a pretty neat, pretty neat thing to think about. And then in addition to that, um, it's a warning to the people of, of Egypt to, if you don't turn to God, there's going to be death in the end. So if you guys think about the last plague, um, where the Hebrew, the, the Egyptian children, they die if you don't mark the blood on the door. This is kind of a foreshadowing as well, that this is blood, blood and death is going to come to you guys if you don't eventually turn to me. Um, so this is kind of God's first warning, but all this imagery is played into it there that back then the Egyptians probably would have grabbed and, and, and concepted, whereas today we don't necessarily think about that because we're thousands of years afterwards. But, um... What did he just say? Just let it go, Gracie. Um, so, um, listen, so, um, it's a warning to turn to God because in the end, um, if you don't, death and defeat will come. Um, I also want you guys to think about this. This is to me one of the coolest imagery of this, of this first play is it foreshadows the Red Sea to come. Um, think about what's going to eventually happen. So the, eventually Moses is going to come, part the Red Sea, and then after they walk through the Israelites, when the Egyptians come to follow, the Red Sea is going to collapse and it's going to kill Pharaoh and all of his army. And so it's kind of a foreshadowing that blood is to come in the water if you don't turn to me. Uh, that eventually... This is going to be your your life. This is going to be your end result. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat to see all this imagery that comes into place. And as we kind of conclude here, what you guys to think about? People try to remedy God's wrath and punishment by worldly methods, but the only remedy is truly coming to Him in repentance. So when this happens, the um, Egyptians think, okay, well, there's water. There's there's a there's blood in the water. We can't drink that water. So instead of coming to God and saying, God, I'm sorry, I repent, please turn the water back to normal. Uh, instead of doing that, they actually try to dig around the river to try to find other water sources around the river. And they try to do whatever they can to find another method of water. Um, and, and in life today, uh, this kind of goes back to our original point. There can be clear signs that God is telling you something. 
And whether it's a turn back to him, whether God's saying, hey, I'm about to use you for a great purpose. And if you're not in tune to God, you'll, you'll do any other, you'll, you'll dismiss that as anything else and turn to any other method to try to overcome what's going on instead of just turning to God. You know, a lot of our problems in our country today would be solved if people just turn to God in repentance and say, God, instead of following what we want, we're going to follow you. And there would be a lot less death and destruction that would happen. Question what problems can, could be changed from God? Well, really anything that's going on. You know, if, if America is um, fighting amongst each other, you know, people are, um, you know, bullying or being picked on or things like that. Instead of trying to, like, just make different laws and things like that that could help, if we just truly had a heart of repentance and we all turned back to God and gave our lives to Him, you wouldn't see all this rapid sin that's going on in our world today. Yeah, go ahead. When did the water turn back? After seven days. It stayed seven days. Um, so, I mean, uh, it stayed a week. So, if they had some water stored up, you know, they probably could have lasted a few days. Um, but then, by the end of the seven days, it's pretty much like, hey, this continues, we're going to all die. Or there's, no, there's no water. And so, eventually, God does turn the water back. But then the next, the next plague comes. Uh, and, and it continues to come. How does fish repopulate? Huh? How does fish repopulate? Oh, man. So once the water turns back to regular, there will probably be another source that comes in and feeds back into it. Uh, so, uh, if, if, so if blood, if he turns to the Nile River to blood, uh, and the Nile River is connected to the ocean, does that mean... The, the ocean also became blood. Well, I, 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 it says like all the water in that land of Egypt. So outside of Egypt, you know, where the, some of the oceans and things were probably flowing into, didn't necessarily turn into blood. But uh, back then, they didn't have you know cars and such as to drive in the ocean. So it probably take them seven days just to get there. By the time they got there, it's like then the water got turned back, so they just wasted all that energy. Yeah, it's salty. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, you're going to get sick on that anyways after a while. Yeah. Has there been 